off top. Lobsters pee from their faces. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show presented by Allstate. We are joined by, as usual, my co-host, Charlie Kravitz, and our Monday uh, regular, the great Bill Barnwell. What's up, Bill? What? I, I can't even get co-host credit. I'm I'm just a regular. That sounds like I'm I I have a drinking problem and I'm just here all the time on Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. We are joined again by my regular co-host Charlie Kravitz and star of the Monday show, Bill Barnwell. How's that? I'm doing the bulls intro in my head. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. I'm just clapping hands. Uh, where are they? Oh, Bill Winningson. I was trying to think if there are any bills. Look, all right. Oh, yeah. They got a lot of bill centers because you are bills? the center of this show. That was smooth. I'll give you that one. <laughs> that was nice. Well done. <laughs> Welcome back from Thanksgiving. Everyone had a good time, I hope. Got some time with some family. I did have one revelation. Charlie was right about stuffing. I underappreciated how good stuffing was. Mm. I had some today, and I was like, mm, slaps mm. a little bit more than I remember it. Man. It's elite. I never think, of, I, never, I never am like excited about Thanksgiving. Oh, I get to have stuffing. But when I was eating it this morning, yeah, I had it for breakfast. I was like, ah. Oh. You got some breakfast stuffing. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not wow. big on dividing up when you can eat. I'll, I'll eat a pancake at midnight. I'll eat a steak oh, wow. in you, the morning. You live in, a, you live in a constant state of airport. <laughs> you can just have anything whenever you want. That's nice. Yeah, Greedy was mad at me because I ate a bunch of pasta at 10 at night. And he's like, you're not allowed to do that? And then you just wake up? Like, it's not like, yeah, my insides work, Mike. I'm sorry. I have never felt closer to you, Dominique. I do that. I will eat whatever is in front of me at any time. <laughs> yeah, I was not that picky. No. Uh, anyway, well, what is on our plate football-wise today? Man, I'll be hosting the yeah. out of this show. Cornucopia mm. of takes is incoming. <laughs> well done. Um, guys, uh, are we playing? Uh, yes. I, all right, I have to another confession to make. Charlie's on a roll. I made fun of his game last time we played Say It With Your Chess. And it actually turned out to be a pretty good game. So today I was like, hey, you want to play Say It With Your Chest again? <laughs> Sheepishly. And so uh, we're going to play Say It With Your Chest. And we're going to start with the Thanksgiving games. We'll move through some of those until we get to the Sunday football. Start with the first game. Jordan Love lit up the formerly highly regarded Lions. The defense mm. has become a sieve. Jared Goff has turned over the ball a lot more lately. Dominique, do you have something you want to say with your chest? Absolutely. I would like to say that the Lions are still an unserious outfit. Like, as much as we get hyped up about the Lions, the problem is they've gotten better offensively. Their defense is ranked higher than I think I expected when I went to check these stats before um, I was going to make this take. But the problem with their defense is is a problem that they are not going to be able to fix, and it's going to be a problem that destroys them, is that they can't get pressure consistently on the quarterback. And the quarterbacks that they are going to have to play in the NFC this season are going to eat them alive. And they, as good as Jared Goff has been for much of this season, he's had a rash of turnovers the last couple of weeks, but no one ever expects Jared Goff to be like uh, – I don't know, Mahomes. That's not fair. We compare everybody to Mahomes. But we don't think about Jared Goff as someone who can go toe-to-toe with Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts or someone like, don't start with me, or someone like that in the playoffs, which is what they're going to have to do. And those teams also are going to be able to get pressure. So the degree of difficulty for Jared Goff is not even that he's going to be going against that Lions defense. He's going to be going against defenses that will get pressure. And until they solve that problem, which goes back to as much as – I'm sorry. I feel like I'm rambling. I, I think a lot of people have things to say about this, but I will say that it's taking everything in me not to go back to criticize those draft picks from last season when we look at the mm -hmm. fact that Jalen Damn Carter was on the board and they traded mm -hmm. back to get a uh, running back and uh, interior linebacker. Enough said. Bill? So what did you say with your chest exactly? What, that they are, what was your that proclamation? Thanksgiving reminded me that they are still an unserious outfit. They went and lost okay. on Thanksgiving like they always do. And I think they're better than they were. But these back-to-back -back games reminded me that they are, they're on the rise. But I don't think as some people, and this is not a new take for me, I've kind of been pushing back on the idea that they are a real contender in NFC. And they might still pull off 
first place in NFC by some ridiculous stretch if the Eagles go that, on a, yeah. a losing streak. I mean, they have they have an easy schedule going forward, mm-hmm. which the two games that they just struggled in were a mm-hmm. part of that easy schedule. So anyway, my point is just to drive home the fact that I was right, and I'm always right, that they're on the rise, mm-hmm. but they're not as good as people were pretending they were. Worth, worth noting that running back they took, he's in a timeshare. It's not like they drafted Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott, who's going to run for 1,600 yards behind a dominant yes. offensive line. That's fair. Yes. Um, Thanksgiving's always interesting, right? Because you're typically, I didn't do this, but you're typically watching games with people who are, we should say, a little more casual about their football fandom. The people on this show watch too much football for their own good, but you're watching with people who don't pay much attention. Maybe they watch a couple games a year. They check in during the big holidays, you know, end of the season, the playoffs. And this kind of felt like a same old Lions game, right? Like it felt like if you were watching with someone who says, oh, the Lions always stink, the Lions proved it. This is not a great Packers team. I think they're a little better than they've given people, they've been given credit for. And I think Jordan Love's played a lot better over the past couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll get to that. But this felt like a Lions team that couldn't get out of its own way. I mean, they kept making sloppy mistakes with the football early on in this game. And I think to Dominique's point, it's not just that they only have one good pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson. And they're not able to create pressure outside of him, but they right now have one receiver they can really trust in Amon Ross St. Brown. They have a lot of guys who, you know, Sam Laporta could step up, Jamison Williams could step up, and there are plays where those guys step up, but they're not consistently, uh, you know, they don't have consistently have a number two receiver they can rely upon. And so it kind of feels a little bit like the Bills, but without that, you know, Josh Allen ability to uh, create magic and havoc with his legs that Jared Goff does not have, it feels like that offense is limited right now. Or magic and also, with his arm. Also, also, since nobody pays attention to offensive linemen, I think a a take that all people have about offensive lines, that the Lions have a really good offensive line, they got beat up yep. up front by the Packers in this game. Panay Sewell, who is a star when he's healthy and playing well, he got whooped in this game in front of national television, and that was something I was not expecting. Yeah, I, I noticed that also. I- I don't expect that to be an ongoing problem. Their offensive line is great. They'll be fine going forward. Them losing or having a rough game against a D-line that we didn't expect to be great is, or we don't think of as great, was something that I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were had, had a hard time running the ball because of that offensive line. And, and weeks prior, we saw their offensive line push back defensive line two and three yards before mm-hmm. the running back even got contact. So that was a problem, but I don't expect it to be a continuing problem. But the other stuff, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's and it I think also the last thing I'll say is part of, I think, my erosion. As you're talking, I was thinking about this. Part of the reason why I think I'm reacting so much with so much more emotion to a team that, frankly, is not like my team in any way it's because we want it better for you, Lions. Like, I think all of us were like, we like uh, Dan Campbell, and we like the idea of the Lions not being terrible anymore. And the fact that they had this big game, this big Thanksgiving game that they're always playing, this was supposed to be the time. This is the season. This was the game. You get to blow out the Packers, the team that dominates you all the time on Thanksgiving Day, and everyone can say, your team is a serious outfit. You're not. Well, Bill, you brought up something that I thought was really interesting. They only have one receiver right now. And part of that goes back to your point about blown draft picks. And that's Jamison Williams, who got hurt, suspended, hurt, and has never had a game where he's gotten more than three targets. And earning targets is a skill in the NFL. Getting open is a skill. And he's the 12th pick in the draft, and he should be able to get open more than three times in a football game and be on the field more than Khalif Raymond. Your thoughts. That's what makes this such a frustrating proposition because this team could be great, right? I mean, you look at their first rounders, Jameson Williams has flashed, but he has not been a consistently effective player. And it's still early. He's still, you know, last year he was still recovering from the ACL, but like he has not been the guy the Lions expected. Jameer Gibbs looks like a really fun player, but you don't use a first round pick on uh, a timeshare running back. Jack Campbell did not play well in this game, and you don't use a first-round pick on an inside linebacker unless they're Luke Keekley or someone who's going to be a Hall of Fame caliber player. And that's what makes this so frustrating is they did find guys in later rounds. They did nail the Aiden Hutchinson yeah. pick. They could be so dominant right now if they had just made slightly better choices in the first round, but 
we're sort of seeing them capped out now by the limitations of those players and limitations of what those players can do to influence your offense and influence your defense. And the, the scary thing I think about this build that they are in right now is the time runs out quickly. And if you had those first round picks back, those are the picks that you have to hit to extend the window. Like you have to draft mm -hmm. well. Uh, even if it's a quarterback or it's other positions, you have to draft well to have an extended window. And I think that's what is why I feel like they are unserious is because it feels like, and this is maybe a bit hyperbolic or ahead of myself, but it feels like I can see them bubbling close to the top, but never getting over the hump and becoming a real legitimate Super Bowl contender because they're not going to be in position to draft a quarterback, which you could get one later in the draft that could work out, but also having missed on all these picks or at least, um, drafted players that are, even if they hit, aren't going to be as impactful, suggest to me that in three, four years from now, when right. they have to start paying all these other players, there's not going to be superstars on low-end deals to step in and help them out. I love this. We've already decided that the Lions rebuild is over. They got to start over. Them. Trade away all these guys. Get they more don't. picks. I, see, try I, I, I appreciate you for pointing that out because that's not what I'm trying to say. I but know, it I is know. something that we see happen a lot in this league. It's like sure. the no team, question. the team that is on the rise, never quite gets there. Like they, some bad decisions, some bad breaks. They never quite get there. And I guess there will be some other teams that we talk about like that. And it, it scares me about the Texans, too, that we'll get to at some point because the Texans are right now a team that feels like our darling that is going to be in uh, like America's team right now. And it's going to be mm -hmm. in their Super Bowl window, at least the rookie quarterback Super Bowl window real soon. And you better make the right choices from here on out, because any missed call from here on out can end your window. It's a. Tough competitive league. Can I sat you down for a second? Ooh, sat me down. This comes from our, our friend, Nate Tice. Since week seven, when they played the Ravens, the Lions defense ranks 31st in defensive success rate, 32nd in defensive EPA per play. Quarterback's average time to throw is over three seconds. Ooh. 18.8% explosive pass rate in parentheses. So they basically turn every passing attempt into the Dolphins. And so we just <laughs> talked about their offense a lot. The defense has reverted into the unit that was concerning us mm -hmm. up until the end of last season. I mean, and they've lost a couple guys. Emmanuel Mosley got hurt, uh, basically missed the entire season for them. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was you know, going to be a difference maker for them this year, has been out for most of the season. Like They had a plan, at least in the short term, to address the secondary. It just they've had guys get hurt. And I think you know they they have the the prior regime drafted Jeff Akuda in the top five like yep. he should have been a guy who should have been in the secondary if he turned out to be a good you know a, an guy. impactful player um there there's guys you know who could be playing well but it doesn't feel like they have those solutions and it feels like that's gonna be their their weak spot year after year like every year sort of like the the Bengals with Joe Burrow or every year we're like they just gotta get an offensive line that's gonna be it for the Lions where it's just gonna be like if they can land three secondary pieces in an offseason they'll be great but it's so hard to do that I'm still mad at Jeff Okuda for making me feel like I don't know anything about uh draft analysis <laughs> I thought Patricia. he was gonna be so good but I think maybe part of the reason I was wrong on Jeff Okuda is the reason why I don't think anything that they do in the secondary matters. It's the stat, the second to last stat that you read, Charlie, from our friend Nate Tice is quarterbacks average time to throw is over three seconds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't win in this league like that. You just can't. There's no way to have success in this league if you are asking your quarter, your cornerbacks, your safeties, your linebackers to cover for more than three seconds, like over two and a half seconds is a lot. And they're doing that, and it's just... We're going to careen towards something great because the Lions are going to win like a divisional yeah. playoff game. All the Lions fans are like, this is great. This hasn't happened in 75 years. And then Brock Purdy in the second round is going to throw for like 420 <laughs> and four touchdowns against them. Oh. And it's going to be yeah. an all-time take Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. It's 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 gonna hurt to see b baby Jared Goff beat up the real thing in a postseason game. I love it. Oh Beautiful. well. All right, guys. I'm gonna say something with my chest on the next Ooh, one, please. but it's time. Oh, throw up for our good hands moments presented by Allstate. Our winner this week. Oh, Dak. Prescott. Get it right. Wow. Dak went off again for Rain 300. Dakota Prescott. Rain Dakota Prescott. Thank went you. off again for 332 yards and four touchdowns. He is playing some of the best ball of his career. The Cowboys offense has been rolling at a borderline historic level over the last three weeks. And I'll say it with my chest. 
if a quarterback wins the MVP this season, it should be oh, Dak Prescott. Uh, that was that was in your chest, though. If a quarterback, that qualifier made it. You were saying yeah, it with, your, with something else. Your stomach, maybe? I don't know. It's yeah. not your chest. I wanted to leave the window open for Deron Bland. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what I like. You know what I like. Deron Bland broke the record in this game of pick sixes, or I guess it's just defensive touchdowns, right? Or is it all pick sixes? No, pick sixes. Oh, yeah, pick sixes. Somebody has more defensive touchdowns than six in a season? I think they had a combo, maybe. Oh, okay. Either way, Deron Bland is having an incredible season, and I thought that losing Diggs, like, turnover ability, which I know is not something that we necessarily think is a skill, but he has it. I thought losing that was going to be a problem, but Deron Bland has stepped in and saw those Diggs turnovers and raised them. I know there are crazy stats out there for um, what Deron Bland has done relative to offensive players and touchdowns, but I'm sorry, you made you tricked me. You made me step on Dak Love by throwing a little Deron Bland you in front of my face. You should be in the MVP conversation. I, I get it. I get it. Split the MVP between the two of them. Say some more nice things about Dak, please. No, that's it. That's all I had to say about it, Bill. <laughs> I don't think that qualifies. You put like several different qualifiers in yeah. that statement. You clearly. If someone else gets MVP and someone calls you out and says, oh, Dak did not win MVP and you said it with your chest, <laughs> you're going to be like, well, I said if a quarterback and then I mentioned a bunch of other guys. No, come on. Uh, Dak, Dak is playing great, but do you, Charlie, do you feel like Dak is playing at a different level than you have seen Dak play before where it changes how you feel about him this year? Since the ankle injury, I think this is the best football he's played in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think I like he's extending plays better. Um, the explosives, the explosives are back in a way they hadn't been at the start of the season. And I think this is a really weird year for quarterback play because the Eagles offense hasn't been quite, I mean, even though it's been awesome, Jalen Hurts isn't putting up quite the dominant numbers he was last year. Patrick Mahomes is having by his standards, a down statistical season. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen has turned the ball over too much. Joe Burrow is out for the, is out for the season. And so it leaves the window open for someone in the DAC tier to win the MVP, and he is playing better football than any of the other quarterbacks. Managed to fit an insult in there. Yeah, in the, in the tier, just just the way you said tier, such demean, such a demeaning comment. I, I sort of wonder, like, do we owe Mike McCarthy an apology? Given mm. that I think all of us were slandering him for that's seven a bigger insult to Dak than anything I said. I honestly um, think that if we are going to apologize to Mike McCarthy, the apology has to be that we apologize that we thought that you are too stubborn to acknowledge that you were wrong with your first assessment. <laughs> because this is not the offense he promised. This is no, not it. Not at all. He can't, and maybe he was giving us a misdirection. He promised run game and short, safe passes. He promised us game manager. He promised us no more uh, risky passes for Dak to turn the ball over, which we all thought was stupid because Dak doesn't have a turnover problem. He had one rough year of interceptions. And Mike McCarthy was like, hey, Kellen Moore, get out of here. I'm going to fix it. And then he did all the things that Kellen Moore did, which is hand the ball to Dak and say, get busy. I think we should really be thanking Tony Pollard for this because he uh. turned into 2022 Ezekiel Elliott and he said, <laughs> This will not happen. <laughs> Dak, you're going to be able to drive the ball down the field. I think Dak's playing great. But I don't think I, – I don't believe there's anything innate about Dak Prescott that is better now than was a month ago. And I, I think you can get this hot streak from him. And I think that's the exciting thing because for the Cowboys, and I'm going to say this, and it's not a good thing to put in the same sentence, but I'm going to, if the Cowboys want to win a Super Bowl – they need this Dak Prescott for a month. And I don't know if I've seen a better Dak Prescott for a month. And I don't know that. I, I don't think he's developed some skill that he didn't have previously. But I think just knowing he has this in his locker for a month of football against not all bad football teams, some mediocre football teams, some good ones as well. Knowing he can do this for four or five games is really exciting if you're a Cowboys fan. Even if you don't think it's anything new, just knowing he can do this is I think a game changer for the Cowboys. I think you're right. But Dak and the Cowboys are in the worst position that any quarterback or team can be in. 
is nothing matters until January and February for them. Like the way that we talk about them, the way that they're going to be perceived, the way that they're going to be remembered, none of it. I mean, I guess the one thing that Dak could do is win an MVP. If he won an MVP, I think that changes definitely the way that people talk. He could and, be Matt Ryan and think about. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, the MVP alone wouldn't even do it. He's got to win. I mean, last year it was like do it in the playoffs, and we point out that he's won in the playoffs, and then he went nuts on the Bucks, Bucks. who probably weren't good enough to even be in the or shouldn't have been in the playoffs that year. But it was one week, a short week to San Francisco before we're like, Dak, you can't win to be. What? Yeah, it's like, did you do you feel good like posting up your son in the driveway about Dak oh, versus God. the Bucks last year? So Tom Brady the Bucks is your son in the driveway. Gotcha. I okay. mean, look, Dak has 17 touchdowns and two interceptions since his bye week. He's had three, four touchdown games. Like the, the question is interesting the way you frame it, Bill. Has something material materially changed with Dak Prescott? And the answer to that is probably no. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's not playing better than he ever has. No, no of course not. And that's what I think not. is interesting about him because I do think he's playing at a level as high as any quarterback in the NFL, which I would not have said and, about Dak previously. And and it's not like you look at the Cowboys and think, okay, they have this glaring obvious weakness that other teams are going to be able to exploit. Like with the Lions, for example, if you can slow down Amon Ross St. Brown, you're going to give them trouble. The Cowboys have multiple talented receivers. Of course, mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb's playing out of his mind, but they have other guys who can be difference makers in the receiving game. Tony Pollard has not been a great runner this year, but they have the offensive line to run the football effectively. They can protect Dak and have throughout this season. Like They have all the pieces. So it's not as if you look at what Dak's done over the past month and think he, there's no way he could ever do that again. It seems entirely plausible he could do that again over the course of another four game stretch. Yeah, it's better do it in January, yeah. or or we are going to talk bad about him all off season again, and he's going to get a monster contract ex- <laughs> extension, and people are going to be like, "Does he deserve it? Does he go with a big one?" And I'm going to uh, eat off of that for the whole summer, fighting with uh, Orlovsky and other people who pretend like he's not a he's, great quarterback. You don't want him to win the MVP. We almost saw Carson Wentz back up, uh, show up for the Rams today as backup quarterback. Carson Wentz, my beloved. Speaking of the last time we had these debates. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. All right, All right so let's yada yada the other Thanksgiving game and the Black Friday game, and let's go to some Sunday football. We just saw an awesome Bills-Eagles game. We're taping Ooh. this during the Sunday night game, and we'll, we'll go in some reverse chronological order, but... We saw the Eagles beat the Bills in in overtime. Josh Allen lost another heartbreaker. Dominique, do you have something do you want to say with your chest about, about this Eagles team? I do, and I would like to say it directly to Mr. Bill Barnwell. Okay. What I would like to say with my chest is Bill Barnwell should hate this year's Eagles team. Why? Because they are 7-1 and one in one-score games. <laughs> And that suggests that they are not as good as any of us think that they are. And on the opposite sideline is a team that I believe is two and six this season Mm -hmm. in one score games. And the difference in these teams, 
on Sunday was an overtime four points or three points, I guess, because you don't have to kick the extra point in overtime. That was the difference between these two teams. So, Bill, I cede the floor to you. Tell us why the Eagles are really bad and the Bills are much better than we think they are. Because the Eagles got booed off the field at halftime by their own fans in a year coming off of a Super Bowl appearance where they're now nine and one. And their own fans were like, get these bums out of here. It's wet and I'm cold and I want to go home. And then they're singing Fly Eagles Fly by the end of the game. (laughs) Yes. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, not disparaging the Philly fans for booing. Do whatever you want. But we all, I feel like, have this perception that the Eagles are not as good as they were last year, that they're basically like a a pretty good team with a money play that works 99% of the time. And that I don't know that that's entirely wrong, but the worst they money make play it work in history. Week after week, it's the best money play in history. Bill, I, I've come Bill, if, I've come all the way around the touch push. I love it like, too. Oh, no, it, I don't it, like, dislike it, but the idea that years from now, we're going to say the Eagles had this great play. Mm-hmm. 25 years from now, I was like, hey, guys, remember the Eagles? They had this money play. It was get them two yards, whatever they needed. It. This is such a classic <laughs> Dominique oversimplification. This it's is like, yeah. oversimplification. Yeah. I'm saying that it is not uh, uh, advancement in football strategy. That's all. That is not like exciting. Like it's not Bill Walsh coming in the league. It's not the three four being invented. This is the tush push. We're gonna look back on this era and say, what was the great football innovation? It was that they changed the rules to allow people to do rugby scrums. Two two high safeties in the tush push. Dominique's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dominique's arch enemy. Um, Bill, if I were to say to you, this Eagles team is like the 2022 Vikings, you would say what? I would say no. <laughs> the Vikings were an actual bad team that had incredible luck. The Eagles are a good team, a genuinely good team that has incredible I luck. I mean, their one I, loss this season as to a bad was, team was to the Jets, but that happens occasionally, right? Like we see... Like like the Jets have beat the Dak Prescott Cowboys in years past when they had Sam Darnold at quarterback. They bad teams can beat good teams. It happens. But that was a game where it felt like the Eagles beat themselves, right? Like it felt like Jalen Hurts yeah. made a bunch of bad decisions. He was a little sloppy with the football. And the Jets took advantage because they're a team where they're not very good. But if you give them opportunities to take advantage of your mistakes, they'll do it. They beat the Bills that way. They almost beat the Chiefs that way. They beat the Eagles that way. And like the Eagles can be sloppy at times. They can make mistakes at times, but they do not often beat themselves. Like they, they stay just close enough that they can wait for you to make a mistake and take advantage. And we saw it in overtime, the yeah. bills had a chance to win this game yep. to save their season. And they had Gabe Davis running on wide open down the field against a big blitz. All he had to do was turn the way Josh Allen was expecting him to turn. That's not an accident. That's not bad luck. Well, that's bad coaching. Well that's phrased. Not, that's inexperienced coaching and having great coaches and having great players who know what to do and work together consistently when players are improvising, that's not an accident. That's skill. You are very skilled uh analyst because you phrased that in the perfect way because I mean it's clear that none of us know exactly what was supposed to happen on that play but the default is to blame Gabe Davis and after I watched the play a couple times and we haven't heard as we are here right now we haven't heard the press conferences or anything like that so maybe it'll become clearer but the way that that play was designed to me and the way that the defense reacted to me seemed like Gabe Davis was doing the right thing it was a smash concept essentially in zero coverage that they switched and Gabe Davis ran away from the the coverage leverage and that's where Josh should throw the ball in my view we don't need mm-hmm. we don't need press conferences we just need the all 22 whoever Diggs was yelling at that was his it was their fault <laughs> well, Diggs Diggs yells at everyone after every time. play yeah. he yells at whoever's fault it was did you see him after after he uh Dropped got the, the ball pass. punched out he started like, yelling at somebody it, was, it looked like he was yelling back at Josh Allen how dare you throw that ball where I could catch it this brings this <laughs> actually I you said a bunch of things that got my attention one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk about is I know that we do not think that winning 
those close games is a skill, but it sure as hell feels like it. And if it is a skill that the Eagles have, then yeah, if it's if the clutch gene is a thing, then why don't Josh Allen have it? Because he's 0-5 <laughs> in overtime games, and he adds like one of the more clutch moments that we can think of mm-hmm. in recent history in the games against the the Chiefs. But I guess before I, I pass it back to you, Bill, to completely uh, undercut my emotional response is I'd like to say that there is something a lot like how people push back on the idea that momentum exists. I think there's some buzzwords that are easy to undercut, but when you think about the, how you feel in a situation, if mm-hmm. you believe that your mentality can impact the way that you perform, then it's reasonable to believe that teams that have success in those moments then feel more confident in those moments, which could beget more success. Now tell me why I'm wrong, Bill. What, 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 what's a mentality? I don't even understand what a mentality is, let alone how it would impact you winning a football game. Oh. Does mentality make you kick 59-yard field goals? Did, 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 the, did the Eagles, did Jake Elliott come in and say, I've got a mentality that I'm going to hit this field goal and – Tyler Bass did not have that mentality when he missed field goals in this game. Yeah, I think that from so the way that I would put it is there are times when you're in a game where you can feel nervous or feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And if you have been in those situations and had success in those situations, so maybe the first time you do it, it was lucky that you hit the field goal. But the next time that you go out there and you're going to kick a long field goal, you feel more comfortable and more confident. Maybe it makes your heart rate lower. Maybe it impacts your preparation. I do believe that I'm probably wrong. I get it. But I'm telling you that it's something that I can – I can rationalize, and I know that stat nerds will tell me I'm wrong, but I do believe that there is something to be said. And lots of people, maybe there's, maybe this is all too, but people believe in like visualization and positive mm-hmm. thinking. These are things that people believe in. It's a in. really simple way to do it. What is it? Clutch gene? Dog in him. Dog. Got Jake Elliott had that dog in him. <laughs> Tyler Bass, dogless. I'm, I'm being mocked, but that's fine. I'm completely No, no I'm team dog. No, no, I, I. I, I've never been confident in anything, so I, I'm not qualified to to answer this part of the equation. But I think if, if I'm going to be give you Occam's razor here, the Eagles are great winning close games because the Eagles are a really good team yeah. and they're better yeah. than yep. most of the teams they're facing. And if you're great in the first 55, 58 minutes of a game, you're probably going to be great in the final few minutes of a game as well. And when you have those little advantages added up, you have Jalen Hurts, who's a player who, you know, can break down a coverage and scramble and extend plays when guys are tired and pass rushes are tired at the ends of games. And he can run away from them, just like Josh Allen can at the end of games. When you have just like the Vikings. a defense, just well, like the Vikings, when you have a, a, a greater pass rush that you have a deeper pass rush that can maybe chase after Josh Allen and create like more pressure at the end of games, just like the Vikings. Well, there's yes. also built to one of your early points, earlier points, their great offensive innovation, the tush push when they need to ice games, yeah. they have yes. four plays to do it. They only need nine yards on the first three plays and they're going to yes. keep the, the clock churning. I get yes. it. I mean, you saw, you saw how they scored in this game. It wasn't like they had some great schematic innovation. It was quarterback power. Like it was not that that doesn't mean it doesn't count for anything less than any other play, but like they have access to stuff that other teams don't have access to. The more I, I will say though, the more I th- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm going to move on and, and criticize Sean McDermott. I'm going to turn this into okay. a bills bashing Bef- session. Before we bash the bills, let me say that the more that I think about it, what the conclusion that I've come to is that Maybe the team is just great and the players are just great. You ever think about that, Bill? That maybe they're just really good. So when they get in late game situations, they perform well more often than teams that don't perform well. And it may feel like a mentality and maybe they do feel more confident about it. They feel more confident because they're better. And that's why they perform Mm -hmm. better all the time. Just like the 2022 Vikings. All right. (laughs) McDermott bash, please. The 2022 Vikings who won like 11 close games and then immediately lost a close game in the postseason. I always love that one where it's a like, close game you had, the, yeah, that, that was a one score game against the giants. Oh, like, I love it? when you had that, 
when you have like a record that's really good in one score games all year and then you lose one of those games in the postseason you're like wait didn't didn't you have this mentality for three months what happened like did you lose it suddenly in the postseason the saints are always good at that during the uh the final days of the Drew Brees era can we talk about Sean McDermott though in this hold game? on let me complain about, again about what? your numbers I don't want Please. your numbers I want words I want storylines I want emotion I want to get involved I don't I don't want you to stat me down I want to believe that Jalen Hurts went to that sideline and said hey guys get on my back and then they went out there and he did it because he believed in himself all right proceed I I know I know I have to save a lot of the Jalen Hurts conversation for roses and thorns <laughs> I don't want to take that content away from did look from you guys really that's not fair yeah he did he did I mean, you he can't really you cannot take Jalen Hurts away from roses and thorns it will always be there until J unless something happens to his face I think Jalen Hurts oh, no. will have a mainstay or he can injure his knee shoulder injure anything don't mess up that Kara. You're more worried about a face-off situation happening with Jalen Hurts and somebody else. <laughs> That'd be unfortunate. Carson Wentz. You think Carson Wentz would be a, would be a better quarterback if we could give him a face-off? That's all. So then it's back, to my original, it's back to Definitely. my original point. Definitely. It's all about confidence. Handsome man your whole life. You can believe that it doesn't matter. You can go to Oklahoma and win the Heisman. You can believe that you can be a second-round pick and be uh, MVP-level talent. I'm sorry. Bash McDermott. Let's bash McDermott, guys. If anybody should know that you can win a game with like 13 seconds and a timeout and get in field goal range for yeah. a kick, should it not be Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills? And what they did at the end of this game was abysmal. Sean McDermott used the second timeout to ice a kicker who was going to attempt a 59-yard field goal in the rain. And then they get the ball back. They kneel down to go to overtime. You should know better from your individual experience, Sean McDermott. You should be ashamed. Yeah, and then it was, I, I guess there's no media on media crime around here, but Tony Romo tried to defend it, which was like, huh. Hey, oh, I get this. Like, what? You have Josh Allen. What are you doing? Why would you just kneel it? He's like, there, there could be a sack fumble. Yes, there could be. You have Josh Allen. Try. Get in a field goal yeah. range. Give it a shot. Yeah. Like yeah. it's and I, I, we saw what happened to yeah the, the Tim the, Boyle pick six. Yeah, I, I think that's what got in McDermott's head. Don't right. don't 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 coach your team like you have Tim Boyle when you have Josh Allen. That seems like a really simple rule. Fair point. All right. So enough. so are 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 we are we done with the Bills this year? Like is it yeah, is that, it over? So I was I was toying around with that being my say with the chess is that the Bills chances are are done but the fact of the matter is prior to this like the bills are in that super bowl or bust category so i'd already kind of mm -hmm. been done with the bills like can yeah. they still make the playoffs yes do i think they can win the super bowl no my opinion hasn't changed from how i felt about them at the beginning of this season well the question is can they make the playoffs because they have kansas city dallas chargers new england miami and they're year. they're good enough to beat all of those teams are they whoa, going to whoa, beat whoa, them whoa. all in a row? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Can we go back for a second, Charlie? Can you list those teams again that you named? Uh, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, yep. the Chargers, yep. the Patriots, and the Dolphins. What are the Patriots doing in that group of teams? Just who they play in Week 17. <laughs> That's who they play. Yeah. Oh, it's you... just the remaining, the remaining <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were naming, like, good teams they have to play. No, no, <laughs> That's just, just the all Patriots the Patriots stuck in by default. It's just, just all the teams. It's just yeah. all the teams, including the, the um, developmental league Patriots. <laughs> They lost to the Giants today. Oh, yeah. To oh, Tommy they won. They, they did not. They won that game, even though the scoreboard might have said Giants beat the you Patriots at the end. They won in the big picture. Trust oh, me. This is this is a tanking take. That's right. Okay. I'm not I'm I'm not saying they're tanking. I'm just saying right. that the best thing for them is to lose and they lost. Congratulations, losers. I'll say it with my chest. Bill Belichick's proving he's still a good good coach by losing all these games. <laughs> Couldn't even get it out clean. That's right. <laughs> Um, Neither can Mac Jones. Bill Belichick. <laughs> Bill Belichick is a good coach. Good coach. Um, all right, let's move on to some good teams who could be the AFC's top seed. The Jaguars beat the Texans in a thrilling game where Lawrence played really well. C.J. Stroud played really well again. Bill, do you have anything you want to say with your chest about these these teams this game? Do I? I have to think about this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to say. Hold with on, my hold on, chest. hold on, hold on. Oh, oh, okay, you're building up. Because we got a quality last time. We got to say it with your chest voice. And I didn't feel it. You didn't base, you didn't base it this time. But anyway, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're I, building up to it. I, I was just talking with my 13-year-old voice. I, I'm not ready for my... <laughs> 
not ready for my adult voice yet. Um, I I will say it with my chest. Yeah. Let's go. The Jaguars' defense is actually good. <laughs> they are winning games with their defense. This game came down to Matt Amendola. Not related to Danny Amendola. Too many M's, but I every time I'm confused, there's too many M's in his name. Matt Amendola misses a 58-yard field goal. Why does he attempt a 58-yard field goal? Because the Jaguars sacked C.J. Stroud on first down and forced him into a scrambling throwaway on third down. If they even get a yard mm. closer to the marker, they win this game. They at least uh, force this game to overtime because Matt Amendola hits a 57-yard field goal instead of the 58-yarder that bounced off of the stanchion and out. And we're not really ever talking about this Jaguars defense. Every time we talk about the Jags, it's almost always about Trevor Lawrence, about Calvin Ridley, about this offense. And you understand why there's lots of big names there. But right now, it's just sort of like the Chiefs. The defense is the better part of this football team. They're sixth in the NFL in EPA per play allowed, right next to the Jets, you know, among the best defenses in all of football. But I think because they got blown out in that Niners game, we don't take them seriously. So I'm asking you guys, do you think we should be more realistic about the Jags? Because they did slow down CJ Stroud in this game, not shut him down altogether. Or does what happened in that Niners game just qualify everything else they've done and they're just frauds against tougher competition? I mean, I, I, we didn't get to this Niners game too much when it happened, but the Niners kind of did different stuff coming out of their bye week defensively. Not that... um not that that's an excuse or a defense for the Jags, but it's fair to for them to have been surprised by the Niners being more aggressive defensively in that game. They still shouldn't have gotten smashed like they got smashed. But we, I mean, we, I think we afford all teams a couple of bad weeks. But I think the the their loss to the Texans earlier in the season was one that we thought was much worse than we now see it yeah. now. And so I think you might be right. They were under the radar, and they were starting to come up into our radar, and then they let the 49ers beat the dog out of them. And then we were like, let's not respect them anymore. I do think that this team is poised to be uh, – and, and today they played better, I think, than the final score suggested. Like there was that, that goal line just stand just mm -hmm. before uh, halftime – Calvin Ridley dropped a touchdown pass that ended up selling okay. for three points. Like there are, mm -hmm. there are plays that I think could have made this a less competitive game. But that's the problem with the Jaguars offense is that every week it feels like they have those plays. Like there was yeah. that Chiefs game where they had like four touchdowns where they either dropped the ball in the, in their goal, in the goal line or had a foot out of bounds where they caught the ball. Like nobody has more near touchdowns than the Jaguars do. And that's the frustrating thing about this offense. They're like bottom five in red zone efficiency. They can move the ball on anybody, but it feels like they don't have that sort of fine you know, execution ability in, 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 in key situations. And I think that's something that's going to come back to haunt them unless they improve it over the next few weeks. But right now they're not winning with their offense. They're not winning with, you know, what they're doing, throwing the football around. They're winning with their defense and their offense is along for the ride. I don't think anybody expected that given how Trevor Lawrence played over the second half of last season, but Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen is playing better than the quarterback Josh Allen right now. Um, he's flipped that he's having a career. Teron Walker, who is not as good as Aiden Hutchinson, but still, you know, has really flashed, had really some exciting moments this year. He's been a very solid second pass rusher. Uh, Foyasadi Aluakon, their linebacker, is playing at a really high level. He's been an all-pro caliber linebacker to me. Like, they're a, a much more complete defense than I think we gave them credit for heading into the season. Oh, you hid a nice say it with your chest in between all that other stuff. You said that Josh Allen, the pass rusher, is having a better season than Josh Allen, the quarterback. That is a quality say it with your chest that you you tuck deep in there. I feel like that doesn't even that's not even a, a strong statement or a statement that should be really qualified. Josh Allen, the pass rusher, has not gotten his coordinator fired this year. I feel like that's a real low bar relative to the other Josh Allen, no? I'm telling you, you that's a, a, a better headline. Josh Allen, the pass rusher, is better than Josh Allen, the quarterback. You just got to say with the right yeah. gravel. Especially Josh Allen, the quarterback, at 420 yards yeah. and four touchdowns today. <laughs> he had like 80 rushing yards, yeah. too. Hey, got, you, got, got, got tricked by Bradbury. <laughs> that was a great pick by Bradbury. Bradbury got him. Yeah. And that punch out to Bradbury, it's just... 
Something about being old. You just get craftier and craftier. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't figure out what to do with motion in the Super Bowl. But that aside, you can get crafty. So do you think do do you think James Bradbury should have admitted to that holding penalty? I don't think we ever talked about this I, after the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I think he should have. I don't I don't think it was holding personally, but I think that's the that's the right way to handle it after the game. You know one of the maxims of the Dominic Foxworth show? DBs they ain't do nothing wrong. No. Accountability plays in the locker room. Oh, that's right. That is that's our show slogan. They didn't know you, that you we didn't say this say every it. week. You can say it to the locker room. You don't gotta say it to the media. <laughs> yeah, but you do. You gotta put a, you gotta put an end to that. Get the people off the refs. Like, yeah, it happened. Oh, I saw an offensive pass interference today. I got so excited. Cortland Sutton pushed off as he does every week, but they actually called it this week. <laughs> and we, I loved should, we, it. should we go to that one? Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, so I'm excited about this one. The Broncos beat the Browns. They're now 6-5. and five. Yes. We, not Bill, notably not Bill, wrote off this team as bad after they lost 70-20 to the Dolphins. Bad, bad, bad does not cover what we wrote off. Atrocious and embarrassment. Like they were the unmitigated gall that Stephen A. Smith you, talks you, about. You, you guys were doing crotch chops on the grave of the Broncos <laughs> after we. No, 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 no. I mean, that's I was. Dominique was was calling himself the king of empathy and, was, and being upset that I didn't feel bad for Russell Wilson for Russell. And now we're all happy for Russell Wilson because yeah. we thought that the game had passed John Payton by Russ was cooked. The defense was horrendous. And what I think is most interesting about this, um, our great tweet. Our friend Bill Barnwell tweeted out after allowing 70 points to the Dolphins in a single game, the Broncos have allowed a total of 80 points you guys, over the five you guys games. Want me to, you guys want me to put you behind the scenes on that tweet, how I put that together? Let's hear it. I, I looked at profootballreference.com mm-hmm. and I counted up all the points the Broncos had allowed over the last five games and wow. it added up to 80. And I was like, wow, 80 is a little more than 70, but not so much more that I can't tweet this out. So I tweeted it out. Don't know how it's doing. Hopefully it's doing well out there in the X streets. But uh, (laughs) Broncos defense, Vance Joseph feels like we kind of owe Vance after Mike McCarthy. Our second apology might have to go to Vance Joseph. Well, and what I want to say with my chest is this is one of the most amazing turnarounds of any unit like ever. We thought this defense was atrocious. And now they're back to being a really good defense over like, what, an eight-week period? Teams don't yes. just change like that, over going from horrendous to good. Ex- explain it to me, Dominique, football guy. I don't know. They're good. So, I mean, it's, they were good on defense last year. I, it's hard yes. for me yeah. to mm-hmm. imagine. But, I mean, they, they went from uh, was Evero last year, which was like a Fangio-based cover four mm-hmm. type scheme, I believe, right, to a new scheme. So, I mean, I guess you could explain. But that still doesn't explain how awful they were. I mean, the 70-point the thing will skew anybody's statistics. That one day, they could have just had a bad day. It was hot. There's no, lots of no, things to do no. in Miami. No, I th- there's not enough things to do in Miami to give up 70 points. <laughs> and like, you ain't never been to the Miami. I've been to Billy, That's pro- Billy, probably Billy. True, probably true. But there have been a lot of players and a lot of teams who have been to Miami for a game in hot weather who have not allowed 70 points. Yeah, That's, no, there's, there's, I mean, it's inexcusable. 70 points is crazy. It's, uh, and I'll tell you what, if there's a Miami that lets you go up 70 points, I, I, I'm willing to sacrifice three years of my life to go there for, for a weekend. 
<laughs> if we can get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain the turnaround. They're just better now. And uh, saying that it's just getting adjusted to the scheme seems outrageous because how bad they were at the beginning of the season and how good they've gotten now. And I, I think what's also impressive um, about this team is coming off the season that they had last year and then to start this season – in a bad way to have that Jets situation and Sean Payton saying stupid stuff like no hats and whatever and to start the season off as rough as they did like to come back from that it speaks to like the character of the players on that team because you could pack it in right there it's hard to stay motivated and so I think we should celebrate what they've done there and be very proud of Russell and his leadership because it's all thanks yeah, to so him high knees, high knees in the aisle always works I was just gonna say Dominique do you think we should be affording Russell Wilson some apologies for his leadership and his ability to mold this team into a bunch of winners. Hell no. Hell no. I mean, I, I, I think, will give you, go ahead. I think it's, it's hard to figure out. There's so many variables in any of these things. It's hard to figure out exactly what the difference make, what what's made the difference. And I think a lot, at least last week, I heard a lot of people talk about how great Russell was playing, and that just annoyed me because Russell was playing okay, and he was making great plays occasionally. He cares a lot. But he was playing okay, and I was kind of annoyed by the idea of, like, I mean, it's it's the thing that we do all the time. It's like what you just talked about with the Jags. Like, hey, they won, so guess what? We're going to talk about how good the quarterback is, and that wasn't the reason why they were winning. He made some impressive plays and was not turning the ball over. So I I, I, I – I feel like that's the same up until now. So I don't want to give him a whole bunch of credit for when we see that the obvious difference in the team is that they're now playing really good defense again. Didn't Russell Wilson make like the, the most, uh, the most unlikely completion in the history of next gen stats for a touchdown on fourth down last week. And we're not giving him any credit for them winning that game. See, now you're, you're, you're just dangerous. You're just doing show right now. You're just doing pod. Like, yeah, impressive. A single, very impressive play. Well done, Bill Barwell out here pardon. But yeah, I, I think through the course of the entire game, he was not the one that was like making all the, the difference in special plays. That particular play, huge. It was a lot like the plays that we remember making in the past for the Seahawks. But also, he'd make four or five other plays like that for the Seahawks. He ain't doing that now. So you know it and I know it. Saw saw him scramble for 10 seconds and hit Adam Troutman at the pylon for a touchdown in this game. I mean, He's long not run the- today, too. You don't get no credit. It was, it was spicy. <laughs> you it don't was get, spicy. you don't get no credit for completing touchdowns to Troutman. Everybody knows you put it in Troutman's <laughs> vicinity. Troutman He's coming down. down with it. That's cheating. It's <laughs> fair. Man. That's fair. He um I, I'll I'll give a few defensive reasons in reality. Justin Simmons, excellent safety, was not playing early in the season. That hurt them. They were not deep at safety. Kareem Jackson was out here headhunting yeah. uh, early in the year for multiple mm-hmm. games, just committing personal fouls <laughs> like three times every game. He's been suspended. Seems a little <laughs> curious that they're notably better since he went out. Um, they had Damari Mathis in the lineup, who was uh, okay as a rookie, struggled early in this year. He He's got been some benched penalties too, better didn't he? cornerback. He got some pe- – everyone on that roster got some penalties, Dominique. Right. Everyone ev- everyone has some numbers to put behind their, their, their penalty tape this year. And they cut Randy Gregory. And, and I think there's an element of like, you know, you don't want to say addition by subtraction because those guys have value and they're talented players, but – it sort of felt like they had to sort through their roster and get Simmons back, of course, to kind of figure out who was going to be able to execute the scheme they want to run. And now they they, they still make occasional mistakes. Baron Browning uh, almost murdered DTR in this game for the Browns um, with a pretty brutal hit. Uh, but, you know, it feels like they're a much more well-polished unit right now than they were earlier in the season. Yeah, we didn't have the sound on on that game. So I was wondering how they explained that penalty because he didn't hit him in the head, did he? It just was like too hard to hit. It was too hard to hit. Um, DTR got hurt, which was a bummer. Yeah. And I think the the stadium went, ooh. When the stadium goes, ooh, that means you're going to get a penalty for unnecessary roughness. Um, but I don't think it should have been a foul. He was out of the pocket. Yeah. I, maybe he launched himself, but it was with his shoulder, not his helmet. I don't think it should have been a penalty. I, I do want to ask you guys, do you think Russ is playing well enough to start making TikToks again? Are we yes. going to get Mr. Unlimited? Charlie, I, I have already tweeted out what is going to happen. Week 17, the Broncos host the Chargers at home. They're going to clinch a playoff spot. It's going to get flexed on Sunday night. They're going to clinch a playoff spot. Russell Wilson is going to take the mic. And for the first time since the beginning of last year, he's going to say, Broncos country, 
and you're going to hear from the crowd, let's ride! It's going to be incredible. It's going to so be the cinematic. biggest pop of the entire season. My mic is flexing. That's how excited I am about this moment that's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I really, I care a lot about that happening. It's <laughs> great. Oh, you couldn't have delivered it any better. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so, got a couple more. Next one. I wa- We watch football together every Sunday, and I was sitting with Dominique, and he He's a tape guy now, Bill. He watched about six hours of Kenny Pickett tape, uh, oh, learning man. about the Steelers in this new. Why you know? You know, there's no point to doing that. No one cares except for football Twitter, which is the least relevant situation possible. You so know qu- that, Dominique. Quickly, do you want to say something you learned about your your man's Kenny Pickett in this Canada-less offense? Um, I think that this was week one for the Steelers. That's what I will say with my chess. Is that. All teams are different from the beginning of the season to the middle to the end of the season. You change, you mature, some teams get injured, some teams develop new um, alternatives to what they were doing, and the teams that can grow and change the best are often the teams that are standing at the end, and the teams with more tools and more weapons are able to do that. Um, The Steelers haven't over two seasons. They haven't added much to their offense uh, scheme-wise or over a season and a half. They haven't added much to their offense scheme-wise. They haven't even been... I guess, like, coherent in their play calling. So one of the things that has kind of irked me about the Steelers' offense is that when you run the ball as much as they do, I like the – like, when you say complementary football, people often think about the offense to the defense. And, like, Dak and the Cowboys get up early. It's complementary to have great pass rushers. But it's also complementary within your own unit. And if you run the ball as much as the Steelers do – as a lot of Shanahan systems will do, you then attack the middle of the field or you attack the run defenders in the pass game. So that means the middle of the field. That means tight ends. That means play action and boot and those sorts of things. It doesn't mean drop back and deep outs, deep goes. And that seemed like that was the the um, the Steelers' offense in the past. It reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of what the – what Florida State Seminoles used to do uh, back in the day. They had better athletes than everyone else, and they would line up in I formation, run pitch, run dive, and then run uh, skinnies, outs, and goes. And that was it. That was the entirety of their offense, and nobody could stop it because they were better than everybody else. And in this game, it seemed that they understood for the first time that there is there can be some uh, like coherence to your offensive game plan and understand that, Kenny Pickett is capable of throwing it over the middle of the field or to the tight ends and putting linebackers and safeties in binds and every pass doesn't have to be way outside. That's all. And that was a really long-winded way of saying they used to not throw it over the middle of the field. Now they throw it over the middle of the field. It was. It was. I mean, some people call it long-winded. Right, Other people You're call right, it informative. Like the reason why. Like some people could say you just throw it over the middle of the field. But I give you more. <laughs> You're right, though. I mean, this is a th- this has not been a coherent offense. A lot of people, much smarter than me, including Dominique Fockert, have said this has not been a coherent, logical offense. And there were still some iffy moments. They they were not exactly dominant in this game against a Bengals defense that um, does not have a ton going for it. But they won. They were right. passable on offense. Kenny Pickett looked more confident. He had stretches where he played better than he had at any point during this season. And like you said, it's week one. They have the rest of the year to improve, rest of the year to show what they can do. And they're probably going to be a playoff team. So if they can get it figured out by January, they might have some exciting stuff looked ahead. That's my point. That's why my say with the chess was this is week one for them is because today was not perfect, but it seemed coherent. And they gained yards. Like this is, I think, right, this is their highest yardage total of the season, right, Charlie? Yeah, Yeah, close. They moved the ball. And that's why I said it's week one. I would love to come out here and say, oh, the Steelers' offense is fixed. No, it's not. We saw they only only mustered 16 points and they had issues. But this is what their offense should have looked like week one last year. They're just having it now. (laughs) This is the first time we've seen the offense look like it's supposed to look. I have a take. What's that? Oh Matt Canada is just as bad of an offensive coordinator as Matt Patricia. <laughs> I don't think that's like a controversial take to compare two fired, like uh, universally reviled offensive coaches and be that, like, I mean, no, oh, no, no. Yeah, Patricia was the gold standard. Yeah, I think the point is Patricia was a defensive coach who uh, was made to be an offensive coordinator because Bill Belichick apparently was tanking last year too, according to Charlie. I'm, 
here here's the real take that you're missing out on charlie i don't know if you've noticed but it's not like replacing matt patricia with bill o'brien has done wonders for the patriots offense you might make the case that matt patricia was underrated because of how bad mac jones and the patriots have looked this year what a take that's the take that's brilliant what a chest that's a great chest bill i'm saying i'm so jealous of that take (laughs) you can steal it bill would never say that again he just and says it here with us. People will steal my other takes anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's not yeah. a big deal. I mean, take, um, takes is for everybody. Do we have any other games we want to talk about, Charlie? That's all I've got. There was a take floating around our production room. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. You gave, you teed this up for him. <laughs> He's so devilish. Look at him. Oh, all right. Bryce Young. The slack room. Bryce Young is just Tommy DeVito with his own apartment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. That's it. I don't think there's anything to respond to that with. Like I, uh, you just want to get Tommy DeVito in the DeVito in the show so you can do the the fingers. <laughs> it's the best celebration gonna, oh, in the NFL. Did, what? What? Who? Caught, was Isaiah Hodgins who caught touchdown and said, "I don't know what this is, but I did it anyway for my my friend Tommy." That's wonderful. I appreciate that we're getting Italian culture around the NFL oh, now. Man, we got to appropriate all the Italian culture. All right. Appreciate it, Billy. This has been wonderful. Thank you for joining us as the star of our Monday show. Thank you, Charlie Kravitz, for being here. Of course, thank you to Podville for this great studio. All my wonderful producers, Brian, Kevin. Oh, I've thrown up for Allstate also. Brian, Kevin, Serafina, Megan, and Cortez. And this has been the Dominique Foxwood Show presented by Allstate. Throw your hands up. And we're out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. 